Welcome back to the Mostly Legal Podcast. In case you're just tuning in and wondering what the show's about, well, you're in for a treat. Over the course of 10 episodes, we'll dive behind the scenes with some incredible people exploring everything behind all the glitz and glamour of law firms. Over the course of the show, we will uncover everything you need to know about the people in the business of law. My name's Rob Joyner, and I'm the VP of Sales and Marketing at Centerbase. And I'm Amanda Copeless. I've been in law firm leadership for over 16 years and can't wait to share some of my stories with you. But don't worry, you won't have to hear our voices the entire time. We do know how to share the spotlight after all, at least a little bit. Our guests today are Lynn Cowu and Michael Cates, two of my former co-workers who I now count among my dearest friends. Our show today is dedicated to the memory of Patricia Lowers. Pat, or Patty, was a mentor to the three of us, and we know she's somewhere now drinking Jameson, flipping her hair, and laughing along with us, or possibly at us. So here we go. Hi, Lynn and Michael. Can you guys first start by introducing each other? Absolutely. I would like to introduce Michael Cates. He's been a legal administrator for 26 years in both Washington, D.C. and Richmond, Virginia. I thought he was younger than that. He's been. (laughs) No, I knew. I knew how old he was. (laughs) He's been the very lucky husband of MJ Cates for nearly 24 years. His son, Evan, plays soccer for Randolph College in Lynchburg, Virginia, and his daughter, Brenna, and son, Aiden, are high school students. A fun fact about Michael is that he actually had his first interview for his current position in a bar at an ALA conference, which is (laughs) how every interview should be conducted. I had my first interview at that firm in a bar also. So I think that wow. might just be standard. Right? <laughs> they can walk like out if they don't like you. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, after they pay the It's tax. like a blind date. <laughs> Actually, I thought it was because I was more tolerable with alcohol. So. <laughs> Which still could be true, too. Okay. Well, that's 100% true for me. So. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> You were supposed to disagree, not agree. Oh, no. No, not at all. Oh, I thought we were going for honesty here. No? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I will introduce my friend, Lynn Cowu, who has worked in law firms since 1985 and in legal administration for 20 plus of those years in both the private and the corporate sector. She's been married to her husband, Dan, for 33 years. By the way, we have all decided that Dan is a saint Um, And Lynn is the mother of two. Her son, Derek, is a Detroit police sergeant, and her daughter, Taylor, is about to begin her last year at Wayne State University. When Lynn's not strictly adhering to the rules, you can can likely find her outdoors, snowboarding, or boating. And a fun fact about Lynn is her father used to be an Elvis impersonator. Yes, yes. So if you want me to sing for you. Uh, no. Yes, because I sang on the last episode and it was terrible. And so, uh, well, thanks, guys. So I think I was going to say a few words about how I met and know both of you. And uh, I met Michael and Lynn. They were both office administrators at Bowman and Brooke. And Michael, did I start just a few months before you or was it the other way around? No, you started in just a few months before me. You started in March, okay. I think, and I started in July. That's right. So one of the great things about Bowman and Brooke, 
that they do really well that I think a lot of large firms could model is they create this cohesive unit between and among their office administrators. And, you know, we've probably only seen each other in person a dozen times, maybe slightly more than that. But Michael and I could talk for hours. Same thing with Lynn and I. And, you know, we would get on a joint phone call and just it's, it became peers. And Rob, you've heard me talk before about how our position can be very isolating. And one of the great things about having Michael and Lynn is that that was my outlet when I was that administrator at Bowman and Brook. And, you know, I, when we decided to do this podcast, I told you that these two were the very first people I thought of to be guest, mostly because I know they don't have a lot going on in their lives. <laughs> <laughs> Conversation over. <laughs> uh, I knew they couldn't resist because they both like to talk about themselves almost as much as I have. But I also not have- possible, not possible. <laughs> I'm going to lie. Right. Thank you, Rob. Oh my gosh. <laughs> But also, I have so many good blackmail stories on the two of them that they really had no choice but to agree. <laughs> okay, so 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 when we all started talking, I mean, I've heard about this crotch story. Oh no! In keep, keeping with tradition, we have to have a funny ALA story. So, Michael, you have to you have to tell the story. I'd love to hear his version. At the beginning of the podcast, this is how we're starting off. Yes. Can I just say first, I was not here for this. I'd like to preface that by saying that I cannot judge the truthfulness of this. It's all going to have to come from Lynn. I was at the conference but had really bad morning sickness. So I was holed up in my room puking while they were all having this great time. But I laugh every single time I hear this story. So it's really important that we include it. Why are you trying to back yourself out of the story before it even... I know that's interesting, isn't it? You'll see. No, no. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead, Michael. Go ahead. Okay. Wait, you'll see. Go ahead. Go ahead. We are at a uh, ALA conference in California. Um, uh, again, we'll talk about this later on, but our firm is very good about getting the administrators together. And so we were attending an ALA conference and we went to a business partner's party, um, after hours one night. And while we were there, um, they had a shop boy and a shot girl, um, (laughs) and they were dressed in, uh, the theme was like Tarzan. It was a jungle theme. And so they were both dressed in loincloths. And so when we got there, um, a few minutes after we were there, you know, people had drinks and were dancing and we looked on the dance floor and there was the young male model, um, who was in his loincloth and there was a, an ALA member on the dance floor with him. And she was yanking on his loincloth, trying to get it to come down. And the poor guy is trying to be polite. And, you know, he's getting paid to hand out shots and be there with people. And, and so he's trying to, like, you know, maneuver on the dance floor. So Lynn comes to me and she's like, that poor guy, he's Derek's age, who's her son. She was like, this, I just, we got to do something. So she's like, let's go. And so Lynn grabs my hand and yanks me onto the dance floor with her. And we're kind of dancing. Okay. And and we're kind of dancing. And she says, okay, on the count of three, you take her and I'm going to take him. And I was like, what the hell? I'll take him. Like, seriously. 
And so I got the better one, end. <laughs> one, two, three, Lynn gets the model in the loincloth and off they go. And I get this poor woman who is very inebriated and she starts, you know, swearing like, you know, what the hell's going on? And I was like, oh, and so I introduce myself as I'm dancing. And the next thing she falls, she stumbles on the dance floor. She falls to her knees and literally her head goes straight down into my crotch. And, <laughs> and Michael chose his move. Well, no, she, she was wearing glasses. And so I think to myself, if oh, I right. move, she's going to face plant on the dance floor. And so I'm just standing there and she's not moving. Like literally her head is in my crotch and we're standing on the dance floor. Everybody stops, of course. They're all looking at me. And I look up at all of my other office administrators and they're all standing on the side of the dance floor laughing hysterically. No one comes to help me. No one comes to my defense. I'm trying to pick this woman up off the dance floor and she's just not moving. And then when we finally get her to her feet, she gets mad at me and wants to know what my problem was. As if I caused her to fall. So here I am with Lynn trying to do something nice for someone. And in the end, I got blessed out for it. <laughs> and i have seen pictures of that shot boy and now i i mean it's really obvious why lynn chose him hundred <laughs> percent. you know what he, he followed me around like a puppy dog let's not pretend like like i was the one seeking him out okay <laughs> that was after I, you saved him probably probably you know <laughs> But, and you forgot that she fell right after you got her out of your crotch, right over. (laughs) And her friends had left her there. So (laughs) no one else was there to potentially help get her out of, or Michael out of that situation. You know, I used to, I I go to a lot of conferences, ALA conferences, other legal conferences. And I always said, I always mention how tame the ALA conference it is. But as I'm starting to hear more and more stories, I think I'm just not getting invited to the right parties. Yes. Well, that wouldn't surprise me. You're not the kind of guy I would invite to my party. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I guess I kind of set myself up for that. Thanks, Amanda. Let, let me tell you, anyone who calls the ALA parties, especially those of past tame, definitely didn't go to the right parties. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Well, that's a good story. That's a good story. And, and so... Now I want to segment a little in, and I want to ask you guys a few questions. Um, And one question that everybody's interested in hearing about uh, is learning more about the structure at your firm, so the administrative structure. So, uh, Lynn, I'd love to hear from you and and Michael as well. How was that set up at the firm um, that you guys are each at? Well, where I'm at currently is another national firm. We have 30 offices mm-hmm. nationwide. And so we have administrators. We're called ROAs, Regional Office Administrators. We're assigned to multiple offices. For example, I have three. And so while I'm responsible for the day-to-day, the staff, the hiring, the firing, the facilities, and so forth, where we are headquartered in Cincinnati, Ohio, you have an entire administration too, as it relates to HR and so forth. So you have your chief of HR, your director of HR, 
an entire team because we have approximately 1,500 people. So you have many players in place and a lot of procedures and structures that allow us to have a workflow process to handle things that we need. Now, with this firm too, one thing that I like that we're working on some new processes with, let's see, we also have a CIO that we work with. So anytime we have a new hire, it's not like a smaller firm where there's one person, maybe an office manager who handles everything. There are layers of things. Some people don't like that. Really, if you get it working smoothly, it's a wonderful structure to have. And so we have multiple layers going down. And so at the levels where I am, I have the three offices, as I mentioned, I have an office managing partner. He is that managing partner for the three offices that I manage. And so I work very closely with him and he's very good about being very respectful and actually listening to me. We don't always agree. There are times that we don't. And, but behind doors, we can do that coming out united front for the whole thing. One thing I like, which also was the way it was at Bowman and Brook, is that here I say 30 offices, one firm. There it was the same thing, no matter how many offices, one firm, and you had the support from the hires up. And so it's important to have it coming from the top in order to get people to listen to you. Is that basically answer? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. What about what about for you, Michael? So our setup at Bowman and Brook, um, I'm still with the firm uh, where I met Lynn and Amanda, and our setup is basically the same as Lynn was describing. Uh, we have 13 offices nationwide, um, but we are headquartered in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and that's where our COO is. And each of our office administrators or regional office administrators, some of us manage more than one office. I manage both our Richmond, Virginia office and our New Brunswick, New Jersey office. Um, we report to our COO and we each have managing partners in our offices that we also work very closely with. But you also have like a co-reporting to the director of HR as well, Correct. right? Correct. So it's, yeah, it's kind of like a team atmosphere. You go to the director of HR for HR issues and you go to the COO for facilities. Facilities, or money matters. Exactly. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's, um, it's very cohesive, honestly. Um, it is a team approach here. Um, and we have, um, like Lynn, we have, we're headquartered in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and we have our various ad, admin teams there. So marketing, HR, IT, facilities, they're all headquartered in Minneapolis. And we work with the various directors regularly that are in the headquarters. You guys both mentioned that um, you're, you're managing multiple offices. Are you guys, do you travel a lot for that? Or are you, you managing uh, primarily remotely? Primarily remotely for me, um, during the, especially over the last year with the pandemic, we've done everything remotely. But prior to the pandemic, I did I do travel to Jersey probably four or five times a year, so most of my work with them is remote. But I do you know nothing can take the place of those face to face meetings and getting together with your office with your team. So I do travel to New Jersey. That's a smaller office. If it was bigger, I might travel there more. But I do try and get up there at least quarterly, if not, you know, a little more than that. Rob, when I was there, I managed both our Austin and Dallas offices. And for people who aren't mm -hmm. familiar with Texas, it's about 
a three and a half hour drive apart. And I used to travel between the offices once a week or once every other week. Wow. And it was exhausting. And I thought when I was done with that, that I would never want to travel again. And now that I'm in a position where I don't travel, I get itchy. Like, oh my gosh. Like, I have young kids. We've talked about this. And like flying, I would take a 5 a.m. flight, which would be terrible because I'd wake up at 3.30. But then when the day was done at 5.30, I would go back to the hotel and just go to sleep. And, you know, my kids were much younger. Again, this was four or five years ago. And God, that hotel sleep is just amazing. Like, <laughs> So did the Dallas office need me as much as I was there? Hopefully no one from Open to Brook is listening. They might not have needed me. They probably would have preferred not to see me as often. But that hotel sleep is worth every dime. <laughs> well, there were I understand. Usually what, beverages what about first. you, Lynn? Well, for me, actually, the there's an Ann Arbor, Michigan office in Troy, and I sit in Troy, and so I try to travel out, except for COVID, of course, go out at least once a month. Sometimes more frequently, it depends on what the needs are. For example, we have another attorney starting there next Tuesday, so of course I'll be out there that day in order to handle the, the new hire coming on, or whatever, something that requires my attention goes on, but at the very least, I'd say at least once a month. And because I can drive there in an hour and a half. Now, the Groton, Connecticut office that I manage, there are actually no support staff there. It's just attorneys. And it's very, very small. And to be honest, I've never been there. Now, oh, wow. yeah, <laughs> when, if and when the time comes that we grow that office more, then I will take trips out there. But the traveling doesn't bother me. And at Bowman and Brook, I did that prior to Michael starting, actually, when I managed the Richmond, Virginia office as well as the Michigan office of Bowman and Brook. So, so since you guys have both managed people remotely, and it seems like you guys have done that for quite some time, you know, as people are going back to the offices, there's probably going to be a component of people continuing to work remotely. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you guys see? And, and what are some, do you guys have any tips for managing people remotely that you could share? Let me, you know what? Hold on. Let me Hold jump on. in. I'm going to jump in on this, all right? Not that I have a lot of experience, but I want to just jump in on something here. Lynn, okay. Lynn is that type of person that people are going to follow her rules from a hundred miles away or a thousand miles away. Okay. And we used to have this saying at Bowman and Brook that was WWLD. What would Lynn do? And that saying meant that if there was a policy in the policy manual, she was going to follow it to the T. If it said no tennis shoes allowed, she's going to look at your shoes and say no those or no flip flops allowed. If your shoe flops while you're walking, it's a flip flop and you're not wearing those shoes. And she once got into a almost knockdown drag out. Because our firm had a policy where each attorney, associate attorney, was only allowed one guest chair in their office. And it seems like a silly thing, but when you have to standardize across 13 offices and you're trying to look at costs, we had that done for a very good reason. Mm -hmm. Well, there was one associate who wanted two chairs, and Lynn was not having that. 
and she would go into the associate's office and remove the second chair. And then the following day, the associate would find it and grab it and put it back in her office. And they would just play this game where they moved them back and forth. And Michael and I would just crack up at this because we're thinking like, we have so many things to do, better things to do than fight over the number of chairs, but Lynn follows the rules. So that's You're in the same way, right, Amanda? No. See, that's not. That's exactly I'm not like that at all. So we would say, what would Lynn do? Because if we had a situation, we would sit and say, Okay, what would Lynn do is the strongest and strictest version of the answer then we would back that down by about 20 degrees and then that's what we would do hey let's so not act like, like it's a bad thing the way i do things here <laughs> you know following Michael, the rules is a bad Michael. thing and let's not act like i have zero flexibility i do when it's warranted when it's warranted <laughs> michael can you back me up on this one yeah, don't I you dare to. Don't you dare. No, I have to back back Amanda up on this one. And I will say that you are absolutely flexible, Lynn, if it's something that's not written down. (laughs) If someone brings something to the table that's new or hasn't been thought about and you absolutely hear what they have to say and you can totally be flexible. But if it's written down, you pretty much are going to follow that rule to the T. So you're saying I should have been in the military. Yes. 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 So, I so, got- so what I'm taking from all this, Lynn, one thing that you do well is you put structure in place, and that's helped you manage teams across different locations. You are correct. I am awesome at that. <laughs> wow. Oh, you, thank you for being nice to our guests. It is really actually important that one of us is nice to our guests. Yeah, um, why the hell that, did I agree to do this? <laughs> that is, I mean, that is exactly what my point was, though, is that she was already well set for managing remotely because people follow her rules. Or, like my daughter said, and like we have learned, Lynn will truly crush their souls. Yeah, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> They started it. <laughs> Michael, yeah, no kidding. Michael is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, but also equally effective because people like Michael and like to work for Michael. And so you're saying so they don't like Lynn? Yeah. No, wait a minute. Did you on. catch that too? I caught that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, let me back that up. You should. Michael, Michael leads by building consensus versus by, uh, let's see, this is only coming out bad. Let's go back on all the mean things I said about. <laughs> um, what, we want to repeat so, them again? <laughs> Amanda, why don't you just back out and let Michael answer? That's a good Maybe idea. Maybe that's the Michael. best way to do it. Yeah, Michael, how do you manage teams remotely? I am less structure, uh, <laughs> m- more um, communicative, I think. Not that Lynn's not, for sure, but I... So with my New Jersey office, I talk to my staff there almost every single day. So I'm not in, you know, in that office, but I already had a phone conversation this morning with uh, one of my secretaries that's there. Um, I emailed yesterday afternoon with the paralegal that was there. So, you know, I'm not physically there, but I know what's going on on that in that office every single day just from talking to the staff. I don't communicate with the attorneys as much as I do the staff, but I'm still checking in with the managing partner on a weekly basis there, um, talking with our associates there. I had a phone call a couple of days ago, I guess Friday of last week, with one of our um, senior counsel that's in that office. So 
I more or less manage just by, you know, having a conversation with people pretty regularly to know what's going on in the office. I, I should have indicated that I do, in fact, communicate with people other than just when I go on site. Because <laughs> I, I do communicate with people, on, you know, even though Amanda would have you think otherwise, but... <laughs> no, listen, Lynn, nobody in the history of time has ever said Lynn doesn't communicate. Like that, that in the history of time, no. <laughs> hey, hey, Amanda, do you have anything to chime in on the topic? On managing people remotely? Sure. No, yeah. I'm terrible at doing it. It's not my strong suit. Anybody listening to this podcast, yeah. <laughs> Amanda is not good at managing remotely. <laughs> How about in person, Amanda? <laughs> oh, well, not that really either. Um, you know, yeah, not, no, true. Not, so much. not true, not true. Uh, but, you know, uh, Rob, kind of one of the things we did talk about a little bit was um, the, the rapport that we were able to build as office administrators that came from being managed remotely by good leaders, right? So sure. our director of HR, we had two strong director of directors while I was there. The COO, we had two strong COOs, but they really did lead by example. And I know I said I'm not... Um, great at it, but I did receive some really good mentorship at how to manage people that you're not in front of. And it, it is a lot by just answering the phone when they call or being available when they email for your time is, I mean, I think it really is the key to successfully doing that. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. Yeah. So I, I do want to transition to, you, you know, your time at Bowman and Brooke as a group. Um, one thing Amanda's brought up in the past is that the, the Bowman and Brooke team does a great job of team building amongst the regional office managers, as we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Michael, to start out, could you could you talk a little bit about how they've done that or how they've continued to do it? And Lynn, Amanda, feel free to, to chime in as well. Absolutely. So they always talk about building the glue. And one of the things I think Bowman and Brooke does so well, which contributed to all of us getting along so well with one another and being there for one another is it's not just monthly team calls. And they're not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but our firm was really good about bringing us together. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, the face-to-face, -face, when I go to New Jersey, I think it's important that I go so my employees there see me and I'm there with them and can see smiles and facial expressions and have conversations with them. Bowman thought the exact same thing. And so we would go to ALA seminars together or we would go to some other type of retreat where we all got together with one another, all whatever it was at the time, 10, 11, 12 of us. Um, and we would sit down and we would have a day where we brought up issues that we were having in our offices or issues that we had within the firm. And there would just be a full day of us getting together about whatever the issue of the month or year was when we got together. And we would laugh and joke and go to dinner together and have lunch together. And then we would go and drink and drink and then we would go and have, you know, attend a conference where, you know, we got education at the same time. But it wasn't just, OK, so these people are going to get together on the phone. They actually invested, 
you know, the money in having all of us gather together. And I think that is something that is huge for a firm to do. And in talking to my other friends in some other firms that are also part of national firms is when we first started doing it, it was kind of a novelty. There weren't a lot of other firms out there doing similar things. So I don't know that's the case now, but it definitely was when we began getting together in the beginning. And I think being able to, you know, have those face-to-face connections really helped in cementing friendships between us and made it easier for us to pick up the phone and call somebody else if we were having a bad day or we needed to have a question answered or whatever. And I just think that that's the face-to-face meetings are just, you know, well, because during those face-to-face meetings, we have people planting faces in crotches. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we, had, we had one story that I also wasn't there for. That No, I was there for this one. We had a, a brilliant office administrator named Pat Lowers. She was the one who hired me. Um, she has since passed away, but she was the manager of the San Jose office. And she was about five feet tall, dripping wet. Like, Rob, she makes... She makes me look tall and she had this like signature hair flip, but she was, she was spunky and crusty on the outside, but warm and fuzzy on the inside. And there was one instance where she literally knocked somebody off of their bar stool so that that person could have their bar stool. And like the guys had to come up behind him and, and, and support her in this <laughs> endeavor. But, you know, we have stories like that. And then I think, and I'll let Lynn answer this same question, but I gave this example of the type of relationship we built when our director of HR decided to retire we decided we were all going to get together and throw her a retirement party. And I started talking to people and I had this idea, let's all of the office administrators go to Minneapolis where she was based to have um, a retirement party for her. And I think it was Michael who said something like, what? Fuck Minneapolis. Let's go to Vegas. (laughs) That sounds about right. So all of the office administrators paid money out of their own pockets to fly to Vegas, paid for their own hotels, paid for their own gambling, which, you know, for me was the most expensive part of the entire trip. (laughs) And we, (laughs) we did that all to honor Sherry Tyvee. And if that doesn't speak volumes to the type of team that she built and that our firm built, I don't know what else would. I agree. I agree. And she's the one who started actually with the conferences, having the additional day and choosing a regional conference to have all of us go to so that we could work on that building of glue. So she had started that and it was quite successful. And honestly, it's something I'm trying to help build in the firm I'm at now because this firm has, it's been around more than a hundred years, but it's growing very rapidly. So trying to get everybody engaged in the same way, because honestly, while professionally we were great for each other and we were resources and it was great to get in front of each other and we could always lean on each other, also and truly real friendships were built. But I would do anything for you guys. And it was like that with with that team of people. So there were very good people we had in it as well and a, a push in support 
for being there for each other. And we all had the same goals in mind, which was following the rules, by the way, guys, for this. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sure. sure. Lynn has never heard of the gray area in anything in her entire life. You know what? There are. That, uh, there's some flexibility, but sometimes it's a bunch of nonsense, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and when we oh, went to Vegas, goodness. we went ziplining. Okay, let me tell that story, Michael. Please Thanks do. For bringing Please that up do. Because I, I, I was just opening it up for you to make fun. I, I can't so, photos. Do we want carry photos? On. You, yeah, you have, you have set me up so great. It's almost as if we planned this, but we did not, Rob. So the Vegas trip I'm talking about that we go for the retire, the person who's retiring for HR. One of the things we decided to do, obviously, was rent a cabana. We were staying at the Mirage, and we spent a good day, solid day drinking, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, what else are you going to do in Vegas? If you're not going to gamble, you're going to day drink. And it was hot. I think it was, was it July or August? August. I mean, it was, yes. It was August. <laughs> it was hot in Vegas, you know? And so we were keeping hydrated or I was keeping keeping hydrated, hydrated. And, <laughs> you, you know what causes so dehydration we, no no I was hydrating and dehydrating um, for Amanda yeah. drinking beer means she's hydrated yes. that is like that's Got that's it. her that's her hydration yes. from from the hard 100 yeah they know this Rob you've never actually been drinking with me but the two of them they know this this is brand new. this is not new information so uh, but I think we were drinking like tall mixed drinks with a lot of sugar in them yes that were just de- were deceptively strong so four o'clock comes around and we're all five o'clock we, we're needing to get ready for dinner and Michael stands up out of the pool and he is not okay like he, sort of stands. You, yeah, yeah. He talked about that girl getting drunk on the dance floor. Like that was a mild story, in my understanding, compared to what Michael stood about it. Okay. And he 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 throws this towel on and like can't find his shoe. Yes, he can't his find sandals. His anywhere. <laughs> and so he's looking around. He's looking around, and we're all. I guess this is kind of the theme for our friendship. We're just sitting back laughing at it, not able to find his and Rob, I hope you see there's a theme of everyone sitting back laughing at me. Michael, what I hear is that you do things that make us laugh. Uh-huh. Right, right. So he doesn't find his shoes and just gives up on them at this point. Because now, mind you, they were two feet away from where he was looking. Yes. We could all see them, but we were like, let's just see how this ends. So he finally stumbles up off to his room. And we had dinner plans, and then we were going to go out downtown. We were staying on the Strip, and we we're going to go out downtown Vegas later that night. And Michael, I knew he was on the seventh floor, but I did not know what room he was in. And so we start calling his room, calling his cell phone. Um, no answer. He's not answering the phone. He's not responding to us. I finally decided I was just going to find him. And I go into the Vegas hotel. I go up to the seventh floor and I just start yelling, Michael, yeah. Michael K. Any and I'm like logical screaming. person screaming down the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> and Lynn stops me from banging on every door, which was my plan at the time. So needless to say, we don't see Michael until the next day. And I mean, I'm telling you, he disappeared at 5 p.m. And so we all went out downtown and we decided that the activity for the next day would be to go zip lining. And there's the zip line that goes across the strip. 
I knew this, but I didn't know this. Michael is terrified of heights. <laughs> and um, that's not like a normal zip line. That thing is like a monster. Yes, oh, it was really fun. <laughs> so I, I proceed to buy Michael's ticket. And I sent him a text. Hey, you're ziplining tomorrow. You owe me 45 bucks. Like, <laughs> not only are you being forced to do something you don't want to do, you're also going to have to pay for it. So, um, yeah, we did finally. Michael, do you want to tell what really happened to you? Uh, well, the, the funniest part for me was I um, woke up and the first thing I think of is, oh, God, I'm wet. <laughs> <laughs> which is just a, a horrible horrible feeling but apparently i had come back to my room and i had taken a shower which was good and really? I, I had wrapped the towel around me and sat on the bed and i just passed out and I, so when i woke up like five hours later it was luckily the towel that had been wrapped around me which is why i felt wet but um, yeah, it's better than the direction I thought you were going. Right, me too. He wasn't sure either. So, so Michael, how was that zipline? It was awesome. But we we need to hear him uh, too tell what what else happened, Michael, after you woke up. Oh the, well, the first thing is Lynn had sent me a text um, of this guy, some random guy that they'd run into that was in a red speedo and was wearing wings like the Victoria's Secret model <laughs> and and had flip-flops on and the very first thing I thought of when I woke up and looked at this thing was oh dear god what did I do <laughs> like, this, this gentleman's would... physique somewhat matched Michael's <laughs> and, um, sadly and I was like oh oh no no and it took me a couple of minutes probably to realize okay that wasn't me that was just some guy on the strip they ran into thank god michael what is the theme about them sending you to deal with half-naked men <laughs> we need to show him what he was missing yeah, yeah. but the, the zip, zip line, line was a lot of fun was fun i was nervous beyond belief the entire time going up there but once we did it i absolutely loved it so it was um it was fun and so i don't hate amanda for what she did hey that's what happens for a lot of other things yeah 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 you probably hey, michael, hate this... for a lot of other things but not this not that yeah <laughs> not that. michael this is just what happens when you get on a podcast with friends <laughs> somebody's gonna be the victim especially if there's three of you right <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think we've attacked Amanda yet, though. You know, <laughs> I, you know what? Y'all go ahead. I, I don't have it in shot. the script, but go ahead. You shoot your go shot. ahead. Go for I'll it. pause for a second. I, you know, I, I, nothing's coming to mind. Damn it! Wow. <laughs> I gave y'all fair warning. You could come up with any story you wanted, and here we are. I know. I'm pretty sure that the WWLD may have started though because of you, Amanda, and not following oh, rules. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh. No, that probably is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> so, so Amanda and I, you know, we end up getting on calls because one of us has a question and we randomly talk for 45 minutes about everything but the question. And the other day when we were talking, we, were, we, we got on the topic of um, working for big organizations versus working for smaller organizations. And one thing we talked about, we both worked at bigger companies in the past and finding your voice. So 
talk to me, Lynn, about, you know, have you ever struggled finding you with finding your voice within the firm? <laughs> That's adorable. I should have started. I should have started with Michael. No, no, no. no, Lynn, no. You have to tell that story first. You have to tell the that's adorable story first. Sorry. Oh, wait. That's oh, my right. God. You guys thought that was somewhat in- insulting or disrespectful, didn't you? When I said that. Because you, because Did you CEO, say that to somebody? No, that's listen, adorable. Our COO, yeah. our COO was at a meeting <laughs> and he asked a very important question like, you know, is the morale in your office still growing great? And Lynn goes, that's adorable. <laughs> Actually, that was, was not the question, just so, okay, so you're well, aware. There was someone in a role that the, the role was not quite as active or as needed any longer. And so our COO asked if we needed this person and how much we reached into them and how how much we relied upon them for things. And they said, so you, you really need to have this person here, right? To do this, this, and this. And that's where I said, that's adorable. And I gave <laughs> the actual answer to it. And, you know, I think I'm funny, but uh, apparently some people don't. They said, wow, that was just, you know. <laughs> it was the most condescending thing. And now it is part of my everyday vernacular. I say it all, all the time. The time. Rob, you've heard me say it, so now you know the origin of it. Where it came from, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The original smartass. The OG. All right, so sorry. Go back to working for Big Firm. Yeah, so back to the the original question, Lynn. Have you ever struggled with finding your voice at a bigger firm? And if so, how have you dealt with it? You know what? Um, Honestly, I don't feel like I've struggled a lot with it. I, I have been very fortunate, I think. And I actually, I reached out to someone recently who's in a, a very high role for my firm. And I said, let me ask you. I, I said, uh, why do you think people listen to me? <laughs> you know, because basically it's like, why do you guys listen to me? And uh, I said, I know, you know, I don't go away. You know, I'm going to continue to follow up on things. And she said, I think tenacious is a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. And she <laughs> said, but honestly, she said, I think people listen to you because I'm, assertive <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but she also said logical and knowledgeable and I always want what's best for the firm and I make that very well known and um so because it's really hard for me to say like when I think about it I'm like why do people listen to me what what in the world is it about me that makes people listen and um because I like to do things what I like to call the right way is probably why <laughs> All right, all and right. uh, it, but you build relationships too throughout the firm. You you don't shy away from things. You get engaged. You you know build rapport with people at every level. And I'm always too believe it or not. I'm I'm very appreciative and thankful to people. And um, I'm not just strictly miss rules, even though I will follow the rules absolutely, <laughs> and I'll even create some of them. But uh, but I like to believe I'm there for people and. One of the comments that was always made by a former managing partner I had was that I'd get her done. So getting it done and responding is, you know, also part of it. You help to build the, I'd like to hope some of it's respect and not just fear, but both probably. What about for you, Michael? I think also part of it is I get things done. So that gives you um, some clout in that you're going to get things taken care of. 
But I think the other thing to have your voice be heard when you're at a big uh, firm or in a big institution is, you know, I if I bring up a problem or I bring up something that I feel needs to be changed, I think my bosses know that, okay, we should look into this because Michael doesn't just complain about everything or he rarely <laughs> brings things to us and to the table. He takes care of things. And so I think that's kind of important to, you know, your voice is heard when you say something because they know, okay, this is a problem that needs to be addressed and not just some little thing that, you know, you could take care of and never even have to mention to the higher up. So I think that's also important. Basically choosing your battles. Absolutely. And really having put thought and effort into it before going to them. You're right, Michael. So I have actually have a question. One of the, the, you know, I, I, we've talked a lot of positive about Bowman and Brooke and, and I will continue that is that they really support their employees. And Michael, I don't know if you want to talk anything about personal, your personal life, but I feel like the firm really supported what you have gone through. And Lynn, I think you also as well. Uh, and I think you build a lot of trust and you build loyalty by doing that. But I, I don't know if you want to share what that's been like for you at all. Sure. I'm happy to. So I um, had a, my youngest son had a, uh, we thought it was a mental uh, disorder at a young age, that he had a mood disorder. He ended up being diagnosed with PANS, which is an autoimmune disorder. But for years, we were trying to figure out what was going on with him. Um, lots of doctor's appointments, lots of time of taking him um, away. He was out of school a lot. He was quite sick. Uh, and the firm was absolutely wonderful about that. Um, never, I mean, I got my job done and I did some of it remotely. But you know, talking to our HR, both of our HR directors, um, that we had during the time that I was going through this with him um, were just absolutely phenomenal. I kept hearing family comes first, family comes first over and over again. And they truly stood by that. And it wasn't just me because I was in a managerial role. I think the firm is 100% that way about all of their employees. And I've turned around and given the exact same thing to employees that report to me. Um, and I really do think it's from the top down. Um, uh, my, one of my secretaries in our New Jersey office, her mother passed away within the last year. And when our uh, chief chairman of the firm found out about it, he called her and reached out to her. And I think that's not something that you get. Um, he's never met her in person. He just knows that, you know, it meant a lot. She has worked on a few files with him. Um, he had worked with one of our attorneys in the New Jersey office, but he just picked up the phone and reached out to her and wanted to offer his condolences and said if she needed anything at any point to give him a call. And I think that's huge, huge in a firm. The same thing happened to me when my mother passed away. I got notes and letters from high ups in the firm that had never met me personalized. And gosh, yeah, that's a yeah. Amazing. Well, and they, they mean it too. They, they really do care. And I, you know, actually I, I spent 15 years at, at Bowman and Brook and for those who didn't know this and 
one of the first visits I had with Dick Bowman, who unfortunately has passed away now, and he oh was one of the two top tiers. He he was quite a personality. That guy was spectacular. Oh, yeah. I've yes. got a good Dick Bowman story, so but go ahead. Tell yours first. Well, he had come in because we had moved offices, and it was about a month into my being with the firm, maybe a couple of months. And he came in, sat down in my office. Now, mind you, this is the top tier of a national firm, and he sits down and said, so I haven't met you yet. He said, I want to get to know Lynn Calio. And so we started having a conversation. And one thing I told him that I was very impressed with so far that I had seen in the firm, I said, is that it's not just words, but you guys, as it relates to employees, you give a shit. And he said, I will not tolerate anything less in this firm. He said, as a matter of fact, no matter what role you are in, he said, as a matter of fact, the higher up within the firm you are, the less tolerant we will be of someone mistreating someone else. He said, I want people to treat you like they would your sister or their mother. He said, and we're not going to accept anything less because we are part of this Bowman and Brooke family. And I always respected that. And that's actually how I saw that firm run. Like I said, it wasn't just words. Michael, I don't know if you have any good Dick Bowman stories, but I think my favorite like everybody could tell he had he had all these zingers rob and it was like he would tell the same story over and over again but it always had these great zingers at the end of it and um one time he said he was telling the story about this this council and and he was in trial or something and they were arguing back and forth about something and the guy was saying but 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 and dick bowman said to him something along the lines of if your uncle had tits he'd be your aunt and <laughs> he said that out loud in like a huge all staff meeting and i remember like turning bright red but thinking well i guess that's true if your uncle yeah it'd be your aunt so no but no buts allowed he, uh, he was a larger than life personality oh gosh yes yeah he was <laughs> sounds like it so my last question for you guys today, talk about the next 12 months of the firm. Are there any big initiatives that you guys can share with us or, or trends you're seeing just in the space itself? Well, I will say for this firm in particular that we just keep growing. We are adding more and more offices. We just took over another firm. I'll say I say took over. I shouldn't use that terminology. We absorbed, merged with an, another firm. And so we are just exploding and we're trying to expand our footprint um, across the, the world really. And uh, so that is something that we continue to do to make sure that we continue to be a, a powerhouse within the legal field. And they're, they're good at it and they're, they're growing and there's a lot of growing pains with it. So there's a, a lot that goes with that. But as, as far as bringing people back and everything, but that's something that is going to be it's a bit challenging already. It's very, very interesting on the administrator level because once you announce people mm -hmm. will start coming back, some of the great stories that you get. That's why people can't come in. One person, you know, and this isn't one of my people in my offices, one person got a new puppy. So they're not going to come into the office. Party. Well, does that mean you're not going to go to work? Did you tell your mom that you're going to agree to babysit your younger siblings three days a week so you can't go into the office? Oh, here we go. <laughs> She's here pulling out the book. Here goes WWLD. Get that binder and highlighter out. Right. You want to tell me that's logical. You want to tell me that's logical. I don't know. 
Lynn, we sound very similar. (laughs) (laughs) Rob, that's because you have no soul. That's completely Is that where we're going on this? Come on. No, you have a soul. You care too much, maybe. I don't know. Michael, what do you think? What do you see uh, going on at Bowman and Brooke that are big things we should look out for or big issues or, or big initiatives? Well, we are super busy as well. I help with recruiting within the firm too. And uh, just a week ago, I believe we had 17 open positions within the firm. So lots of hiring going on, lots of new positions. So that's great. But like Lynn, I think, you know, the big thing coming forward is getting everyone acclimated back to the office. Of our 13 offices, I think we have three that are currently open. Everyone else is still working from home. And so we are going to try and get everyone, um, you know, back on par. Each office is opening according to its local rules and regulations. So it's not like the firm has mandated one set time to bring people back to the office. But I do think, like Lynn said, it's going to be a challenge getting everyone um, back in the office because people have found out they can work from home and make it work. And so there are going to be those that are going to resist coming back to work on a day-to-day basis. You know, I think we will lose some people because of that, too. Though Those who are required to come back that don't want to, I think they'll search for opportunities where they can be fully remote. So I think that every firm will that has everyone coming back will experience some of that as well. Absolutely. Gosh, thank you guys so much. One of the things we'd like to transition to now is the segment we call Pitch Your Passion. And this is a few minutes for you to tell us something, just like it says, something you are passionate about. Michael, I'd love to hear what you're passionate about. Sure. So one of the things I would love to address is, as I said earlier in the podcast, um, my youngest son, Aiden, uh, was diagnosed with a pediatric autoimmune disorder called PANS. It's not very familiar. Um, There were doctors for years that didn't believe it was a thing, Um, but its symptoms mimic mental health issues. So for several years, we were treating Aiden as if he had a mood disorder, some type of mental illness. And one of the places that we reached out to for information was uh, Beacon Tree Foundation. And it's a nonprofit organization that helps families get access to mental health care for their children. Um, you know, if you're 21 years or younger, um, you can reach out to Beacon Tree Foundation. Um, they provide financial assistance for treatment. Um, they also provide education and resources, and they were just a huge help to us during a difficult time. They advocate for youth uh, that have mental health issues, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, eating disorders, those kids that are thinking suicide. So it's just a wonderful, wonderful nonprofit organization. Um, They're at www.beacontree.org. And that's just, it's a cause that I'm very passionate about. And, you know, if you know someone who has children that have anxiety issues or depression, I would totally recommend reaching out to Beacon Tree and seeing whether or not they can offer assistance. Michael, are they national? You can reach them nationally. I know they're huge in Virginia, but if they're if you're outside of the state of Virginia um, and they cannot offer you services, they will find someone locally to refer you to. Great. Thank you for that. We'll put that in the show notes for everybody listening. And Lynn, what about you? What are you passionate about? You know, I, ironically, similar to what Michael was saying as it relates to the anxiety and depression and suicides nowadays, 
not only for children, but many. And I've, I've seen this happen with some people that even reached out. And unfortunately, if they're not heard and feel like there's no one there. And so really in line with what Michael was saying, and he's given a great resource, is people listening and it, really hearing people when they say something and not just discarding it or thinking that it's really not that big a deal because to these people, it really, really is. And so if they actually bring it up to someone, please listen and, and try and help them. Thank you both for your time today. It was great. It was a lot of fun. I laughed a lot. <laughs> oh, and this is just the tip of the iceberg, let me tell you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Mostly Legal Podcast. If you like what you heard today, make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. You can also check us out online on themostlylegalpodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you can get weekly recaps as well as some cool takeaways from each episode. Okay.